Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Middle call! Baby, hey! Cheers. Happy Saturday night, everybody on YouTube. It's great to see you. Hello. We're glad you're here. If you're watching us on the tube, thank you. Hit that like button. Subscribe to our channel. I'm Guy. That's John. If you're listening to the podcast, get our voices down so you know who's who. It's uh, it's fun to be here on a Saturday night. What's up, Middlecoff? What's happening? You know, what do they say? You do it for the name on the back, but you represent the name on the front. And uh, Tito's Vodka, guy. I think they I, said I you do it for that. The, I made that up. I, I don't know. know. I think you almost had it. You do it for the name on the front, but you represent the name on the back, maybe? Something like that. Yeah, I just, I, I ad-libbed that one. We are sponsored by our friends, especially on this Saturday night. Tito's Handmade Vodka. Bring it up, all three. Uh, Tito's Handmade Vodka. But right now, everyone's trying to get these Tito's in a can, John. Darren yep. Ravel tweeted about it today. Uh, people have been tagging us in tweets all day long. The $20 empty cans of Tito's. Tito's didn't tell us to try and sell them, but it's one of the – it's clearly worked from a marketing standpoint. I got to – we got to – we have to buy our own because uh, the giveaways are um, – I mean, we were going to get them given to us. They weren't going to, we weren't going to give them away. But uh, the giveaways are like six weeks or six months behind or something. I don't know. So um, it's uh, Summer of Tito's, John. Another Summer of Tito's, another football season. In fairness, we've been given a lot. From golf yeah. towels to golf helmets to t-shirts to not a complainer. Uh, half the collared shirts in my uh, in my closet, my wardrobe have Tito's <laughs> vodka on the. I think it's the left arm, right arm. Not sure, but they, they all have them. Hell, yeah. we even have some shirts now that say Tito's. They're incredible. The Bill Murray one. So, Tito's best vodka in America. Uh, what are, what are you drinking right now, guy? I got Tito's. Just soda. a Tito's, and, just a, a Tito's and soda, John. Uh, how do you beat it? You go Lacroix, or do you just go soda water? This is the um, this is the I, like uh, Safeway brand. I think it's not Lacroix. I I do think Lacroix is a pretty easy uh, cheat code because you just can get a little flavor in there, and it's just soda water, right? So if you know whatever flavor you like of Lacroix, you mix it in, and boom, it's you yeah. don't even need to do a splash of crayon or whatever. It's just right. already you know strawberry or lemon or lime, whatever you like, blackberry. Uh, in this I, case, I'm not a huge Lacroix guy. But I always buy LaCroix to mix with my Tito's. Like, I don't drink LaCroix straight. But LaCroix not paying us, are they? No, they're not. That's why Tito's is. So we love Tito's. And, uh, yeah, Tito's, whatever, just drink some Tito's. Yeah, keep uh, keep sending us photos, too. DM us photos of you enjoying your Tito's. We appreciate it. Tito's enjoys it. Tito's Handmade Vodka is America's original craft vodka. Since 95, when Tito beverage himself. That's the man, the myth, the legend made his vodka and people around the world realized it was the greatest. He started winning double gold at the world spirits competition on and on and on and on. So we're honored to have him distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas, 40% alcohol by volume, namely 80 proof crafted to be savored responsibly. Cheers to you. Cheers to Tito. Cheers to you, Tito. Uh, all right. Saturday. Just crossed my mind. Like lions play tonight. (laughs) 
<laughs> you fired up on the Lions. Yeah, just I'm I'm, I'm rooting for them. I'm rooting for them. Yeah. Are are they playing tonight? I don't think so, but uh, doesn't look they, like they played today. Actually, they oh Sam Elliger threw a touchdown for that game for the Colts, but the Lions won. Had no clue they played the Colts today. So I saw McAfee was at the game. Oh, I might as well. I mean, he did. He went live from the. Uh... No, he was just at the, like at the game with his. But wife. I mean, he went live from camp, so I guess he went to the game. Yeah, I think he lives in Indy. John, let's uh, pause before we go any further. Tell the people about Prop Twenty Seven. Oh wait, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> well, again, everyone listening to this vote, yes, it's not. But <laughs> I, I, I can't. I tweeted this. I was thinking this every time the ad came on. I guess you have to lobby when you know the other side's going to go hard because the audience that's going to vote heavily yes is all consuming that game. Like, I want to be able to vote. Now, it is not going to be as seamless as some of these states. There might be a 50% VIG on a $10 bet. Who knows what this state's capable of? But I'm expecting it to pass. Like, I, I, I expect gambling to be legal by the end of the year in California. How about you, guy? I think it'll be a record turnout, John, from uh, a segment of people that maybe haven't voted a ton before. <laughs> yeah. So, so you you also confident you expected to pass? Uh, I wouldn't say if I I, I wouldn't I don't I confident I'm not confident in any in anything uh, when it comes to uh pro, when it comes to requiring uh people to vote but um I think there are I think people will be inspired to want it's it's a very selfish thing you can vote for like I could what's unique about it is you can vote for it and it will impact you on day one directly. Yeah, right. I agree. That's that's I think is what makes Well, remember work. in 2020, whatever the last election cycle was, the Biden Trump one, it didn't make it to the ballot because, you know, you know, there were some payments going on. It got ripped off the ballot before even the voting happened by some committee. So, it's pretty clear in 2022 that thing is on the ballot. There's no well, Prop 27 doesn't exist anymore. Like it's it's you're going to be able to vote for. It. You were not two years ago. So that's, that's been a strong change. I always thought California would be the last state. feels like we're just be right in the middle of all the other states coming. Nathan on the stream says multi tip for you two today, Australian rules, rules football, Sydney and the Western Bulldogs parlay to win. You're you'll double your money with the lock of the year. Yeah. A lot of people in gambling. Let let me see if that's available on my, uh, on my DraftKings. John question for you. Do you think, Trey Sermon will be the first running back in the history of the league to be run into the ground in the preseason. Yes or no? <laughs> uh, you, I, I think a lot of guys running back is a position where you just kind of get slammed. So, you know, I, Ty Davis price at 10 carries a night. It's just part of the deal. Also in the second half of some of these games, I bet if you look around the league, you know, you just, you just hand the ball off a lot. You're trying to get out of there. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we'll have to check the overall leaders. Uh, but the, a lot of people on the stream asking, is Trey Sermon getting cut? I mean, is Elijah Mitchell healthy? I don't think that can be a guaranteed. I would so, say he's not a lock to be healthy by week one. But Wilson is the starting running back if he's not going. I, I would say that Hasty in a game, would prob- him and Price would be right there. That would be your one, two, three. And who knows what they think? We like to call them, or I know I do. Buck Mason, his I like name it. is Jordan Mason. Uh, it feels like it, looking at his line, he's averaging six yards a carry tonight. Like he is playing against like their backups, backups. 
right? <laughs> when you're running in the fourth quarter, but he's made plays in practice. It, it is just, I, I was thinking about this today and we'll talk about the quarterbacks, but just all around the league, like think about most sports, right? If you're just Kavon Looney and you're just on the Warriors, like again, Looney, I, I'm not trying to downplay him. Love his dad, cross him walking like twice a week. And he is a high level championship player. But if basketball was football, there'd be how many loonies every single year? I'm not saying that would be good as loony, but just those body types, you know, 20 are drafted every year, 30 are drafted. It's just this constant rotation. Like if you're a running back that's not a starter every year, how many running backs come in the league? If you're a tight end, like how many dwellies come in the league? So these coaches, like this week, we spent some time having fun with the Kyle Kirk Cousins picture. And I think if you like, I could tell on Twitter and definitely when I Instagrammed it, I had so many people with like Patriot logos and Vikings logos and Cowboys logos. It was funny, right? Because everyone kind of knows. But in football, how many quarterbacks like Kirk Cousins, there's like three or four every year. Like Brock Purdy might turn out to kind of be one, you know? Jimmy once upon a time was kind of one. Like it just, it's this constant, just the other sports, like in baseball, if I'm kind of a fringe you know, Wilmer Flores or whatever. Like, you're once you kind of make it, like, you're kind of good for a while. Like, Kavon Looney's, like, been kind of good for a while. In football, every year, if you're not, like, Bosa, Kittle, Micah Parsons, or CeeDee Lamb, it's like, I, I better stay locked in. I mean, we got reinforcements coming. And, the, and you see it all the time, like, the look in these coaches' eyes, like, God, I love this guy. And it's three or four guys a year. Now, you just hope it's not your position or whatever, but – I would say in two draft cycles, you are bound to get a player at your position. That coach is going to be smitten over. You feel it watching these games, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Cheaper, younger, and 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 I think part of it, if you're a coach, is you see every single year some guy in the fifth round become one of the best players in the league. You know, I mean, yeah, every year, right? Somebody who's a fourth or a third or a fifth rounder is just, oh my god, how did everybody miss on this? But guy? see, to me, you're jumping like. Every single week, these guys see not even like Kittles necessarily, but four, fifth, six rounders on the teams they're game planning against being like, God, this guy's really good. God, this guy's really good. God, I really like this guy. I'd love him on my team. Right. And then a percentage of those guys are like high, high end players. But every week it's like sixth, seventh undrafted free agents. Like, God, I knew I liked this guy. I should have pounded the table harder for him. Right. Yeah. So in your mind, you're always thinking like, you're not dead set on like I have to have LeBron James or Bryce Harper because that's not the way football is. It's just not the the way. I mean, college football is about to start right next week. I saw everyone tweeting today like last weekend without college football. Yeah, I, the about, game in I- Northwestern uh, plays in Ireland. Think how crazy that is. But by like week three or four, you'll just be like, they're going to be got guys at multiple positions that just fans on their couch will be like, I love this guy, man. You've seen that guy play. You see this. Uh, you, you see this linebacker in Iowa? Like, you, you see this dude, uh, this tight end at Texas? You know, it's just you, you just run into college football. Think you could watch college basketball all year all long, and you'll find, like, four guys you like. You, you watch a college football game, more than likely, you'll be like, I kind of like this slot wide receiver, right? Think, imagine what the coaches and the GMs are thinking. It's just, it's a war zone for your position. Well, unlike basketball, where you have to be, it's you're basically irrelevant if you're not a top 20 pick. Football. Until you prove that you're good. Well, I mean in college, like in oh, college, yeah. Oh, yeah, the yeah, fan yeah. in yeah. football, because fans, everyone's so dialed. It's like, you know, I like this guy. Fans, casual fans, like, I think he's a fourth rounder. 
I want my team to take him in the fourth. Remember the center from ASU, Donovan West? Niner fans like, we want him in the sixth. They were yeah. dialed. He's a good player. In the sixth? He went undrafted, but well, like, like Tim Ryan's always, I think, sorry, sorry let me, I'll just add this part. Like everyone think with well, the genius of football and maybe it's fantasy. I don't know. Is that everyone think wants to be a, everyone wants to think about it like a general manager. So you're always doing the value game anyway. Well, yeah, I, I just think like, do not, uh, Dominic, how do you say it? Deandre Lenore? What's his name? Deamador Lenore. That's close. Lenore. Clearly he had a good week in Minnesota. And Tim Ryan's pounding the table. Well, there's someone in Northern California that went to Oregon that watches every Oregon game. Go, I knew it, man. I, I remember when he locked up, you know, uh, anonymous St. Brown at SC. I, 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 I would take fourth St. Brown brother, anonymous yeah, I, St. Brown. I, again, a tough names to say. I just go St. <laughs> Brown, the family. <laughs> I remember uh, Aquinemius. You know, I remember we we got some tough names. I, you know, I, I just. I find Nick Bosa, right, or Trent Williams. <laughs> Some of these names are kind of tough. Uh, <laughs> I, but there are people that are like, I knew it, man. I remember watching him against so-and-so team, and that guy, look how that guy's doing. Wide receiver's crushing it, and he locked that guy up. That happens all the time. Yeah. You're just, if you just watch a random college basketball game, if it doesn't have, like, a top-five player, like, you're not watching from an NBA perspective. You're just either bored betting on the game or whatever, but in college football and this social media is king of this. Like, I think this Auburn, this, this defensive end for Auburn, he'd go in the second round. You know, look at this guy, six, six, see a move guy. I mean, that'll be happening in two weeks all over the country. Yeah. Right. You see this kid that Mario got, where, where did Mario find this guy? Where was he? JC guy. Holy shit. It happens like that too. Right. One sweet sack on national TV. Espe yeah. Especially class. major, major school guys. Major school guys, Major for sure, school guys, uh, or really productive guys. Like, I, I wonder if we searched Brock Purdy's name the last four years on Twitter, what kind of tweets we would get. So we did a we did a topic the other day about Nate Sudfeld and and how likable Nate Sud, uh, how much the Niners like Nate Sudfeld. But is it possible that Kyle Shanahan likes Brock Purdy more? They alternated series throughout the entire preseason game on Saturday night against the Vikings. You could tell, by the way. T-Rock, who, by the way, hair down during the broadcast. I just saw him. They went to him post-game, hair up in a bun, so maybe got hot. Uh, don't see a lot of broadcasters change their hairstyle during the broadcast. He likes Brock Purdy. He made the point, you know, it was interesting that he ran with the twos on Thursday against Minnesota. So what? where is Kyle Shanahan right now with these quarterbacks? Because they were very clear during the broadcast, and they talked to Kyle that it's a quarterback battle right now for the number two spot between Sudfeld, who's a vet, He's almost 29, and Purdy, who's a rookie. Well, I would say that's the number one thing to come out of the game that not only was I not expecting, because I kind of went into this game once it kicked off, like, you know, it's going to be a lot of probably a Drake Jackson Kinlaw breakdown from Haberman Middlecoff. And then by about whenever that came out, when Purdy came into the game and they brought that up, I perked up because, you know, in, in football, it doesn't have the basketball, baseball element of local broadcasters. And that you can tell like what the teams or owners are pushing, right? In football, you just kind of get the national broadcasters and you never truly know. And sometimes you do, you're like, God, there's they're really hammering hard on this one guy. Yeah. It was very, very clear tonight that they've been told like this is a battle. And then you're watching the game going, Well, I kind of get why it is. He looks fantastic. And you start thinking about like what is Kyle like? Accuracy, understanding of an offense, quick processing. 
Uh, he kind of has some Jimmy Garoppolo vibes. <laughs> I would just say like the way the ball Pretty comes quick. out. It comes out quickly, right? Maybe even a little more accurate. He had a drive where he went one of four. He had every single guy in the hands. Like there was the one drive when they dropped like multiple of his balls. I, I thought he looked fantastic. Like my first takeaway is he's not only not getting cut, which I would have said two weeks ago, like, yeah, it's, you know, Brock Purdy be a practice squad type deal. Brock Purdy is not getting released. Brock Purdy is going to be on this team because under no circumstances, if Kyle already likes him that much, and I would say tonight was a positive for Brock Purdy, wouldn't you? A very. <laughs> so he's not getting released because under no circumstances, even let's say John and Adam Peters, like, you know, could we get him on the practice squad? If you put a guy on waivers, one thing I learned, and we say this in Philly and every building says this, you have to be prepared to never see him again. Because if someone else claims the player, you that player doesn't get to pick and choose. Like, I don't want to go there. I'd rather come back. He's gone. He is claimed. He disappears. Now, if he's cut, you, maybe you could get him back. But that is completely out of your control. And clearly, they, they're not cutting Nate Sudfeld. They like him. I, I, my expectation is for them to have three quarterbacks. And I am by no means confident that Nate Sudfeld, I would probably still give him the slight edge, just age, experience. Experience, yeah. But but I, but think, I think things things happen, right? Like I went to a Cal football practice today, and I we were talking about who Ryan. the backup quarterback was. And it was fun. It was early. It was like 9.30, nice and cool. You and I, big Justin Wilcox guys. Uh, and they were like, well, you know, maybe this guy now, but by midseason it might be this other guy who's younger. And, you know, maybe something like that happens over the course of an NFL season where somebody who older is the backup quarterback to start the year, and then you get more and more comfortable as the year goes on, or that person plays. And, you know, I think the one thing with, with Sudfeld is we've at, at almost 30. Now maybe he would argue, Kyle would argue he's only thrown 37 NFL passes. He hasn't been with me. I can make him better, but um, it's 28 kind of the new 24 in the NFL, given how youthful everyone is. I mean, Brady. yeah, I mean, maybe it really doesn't matter. The, the, the only reason age matters in this case is the question is, can, how much more is there between where the guy is now and where his ceiling is? But I do think Kyle Shanahan has shown consistently that squeeze every whatever a guy has, he squeezes those drops out. But, you know, I, I think you're right now. You they would have a pretty good awareness. We'd have to look at like everyone's roster. Is there a team that doesn't have a backup that Brock's clearly better than? But if I, they I like him there's so many people running his offense that don't you think? Well, Kevin so O'Connell, is he better than Kellen Mond? I don't know. I mean, Kellen Mond was a third rounder, but not by these guys. That would be probably a little. That's was he better than Sean Mannion? I'd say yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, Sean Mannion's played a lot of NFL football, right? You know what he is. But he, so you, but but I guess he'd be their third quarterback, right, in Minnesota. But what if you know? What if you're the Packers and you go, well, Rodgers could retire any year if you guys cut him. We'll put him behind Jordan Love, and boom, we got those three guys. Yeah, not worth it if you like them. Because the one thing clearly with this guy, and when you look it back at, they missed on. Uh, on CJ when they drafted in the third round, but it didn't ultimately matter because Nick Mullins turned out to be better. Now, ultimately Nick had a ceiling, but this guy to me kind of fits in that mold. Doesn't he kind of Mullinsy with a little Jimmy Garoppolo can move is accurate. Gets rid of the ball fast can operate in this offense. Like one thing when you see Nate Sudfeld, I, I would say that Kyle likes a guy to have a little more athletic ability. I know he did play with Matt Ryan in, in Excel, but I, I think it's kind of shown that Jimmy is kind of the the 
like lowest bar for athletic ability, but Jimmy's pretty athletic, right? Just in terms of movement wise, because a big part of this offense is the plays they were running tonight, which Purdy's pretty good at just the kind of the rollouts. And even when he's getting, he can kind of stop. I, to me, the number one characteristic that jumps off with Purdy is like kind of an innate feel for the position. Now feels he's like not, a, feels like a gamer. Feels like a gamer. But watch him at practice. Like he's just, I think we all underestimate him because the way he looks. And there have been guys that fall yeah. under his mold. And I would put CJ uh, or I would put Nick Mullins and I put like McGloins of the world. Like there have been guys that have played in this league. It does feel like he's more talented than those guys. He's just a better player. Well, he was definitely now part of it is where he played, right? But he was definitely a he was an extreme he was a twelve thousand yard passer in four years of college, played as a true freshman, right? And never even very productive. relinquished the job, not even close. Took it and ran with it, and they built a powerhouse for about three years, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think maybe you answer the question this way, because I know they gave Sudfeld two million dollars, but if you said put a percentage. Between take a hundred percent and cut it up. What percentage is it that Purdy's on the team in three years? What percentage is it that Sudfeld's on the team in three years? You'd have, I think, you'd have to give a large, a large piece of that percentage to Brock Purdy at this right, like right now today, right? I, I would bet on Brock Purdy being the backup quarterback in two thousand twenty-three, and Nate Sudfeld probably not being around. Yeah, yeah. I, I also, you know, well, if the, that's the, the case, then you. And, and you think Brock's not quite ready right now this second if he had to come in week one, then you do carry three quarterbacks. Well, here's what I know. Watching, like, uh, for some reason, the Raiders were playing in Miami. Like, the, the travel in these preseason games is outrageous. But think of the guy, like, who did Josh immediately trade for? Josh Stidham. Well, Brock Purdy, to me, Jarrett. is better. Jarrett Stidham. I got him, I'm off on my names tonight. Purdy is a better player than Stidham. And when you think about Josh McDaniel, like, who he he just – thrived with Mac Jones. Who, I know he wasn't the GM, but I, I think Josh feels comfortable with those type guys. Jared Stidham falls under that category. Nick Mullins is on the Raiders. Like I, my first thought was like, I bet Josh would like Brock Purdy based on, I'm not even talking about Iowa state because I, I think it's fair to go. Well, this guy's small. How's it going to translate? And it did. He went Mr. Irrelevant, but you just watch these two games. And now the buzz is out like Kyle kind of likes this guy. I think there is absolutely zero chance, guy, zero chance that he wouldn't get claimed. Now, when I say claimed, I don't mean like people are claiming to be a starter, but a guy like Josh, Kevin O'Connell, LaFleur, these guys would immediately just keep him as their three because I bet a lot of people kind of liked him. And for whatever reason, their team didn't – every every team in the league passed on him, literally every single pick up until the last possible draft pick. The the Niners passed on him multiple times. (laughs) So – but, like, all of a sudden you watch, I knew it. I knew it. I think there are going to be a lot of people in the league and more probably coaches, like quarterback coaches and OCs than scouts, that it would be like, I knew I liked this guy. Look at his film. I love this guy on my team. I, I, I just think it's over. Like, he's on the team. Now, the only question to me is, do you put him two or three? Because the, sec- the backup quarterback is a pretty big job on this team, given that the guy's played – two games, two and a half games, and he got banged up. So it's like <laughs> he wouldn't have been able to make his other start. Was it against Arizona when he like, remember he sprained his knee? Yeah. And then Sudfeld was the backup quarterback the following week. So, right. so it's like, I hope that's, I hope he plays all 17 games, but you, you've always said, and rightfully so, like 
we got a long way to go before we cross that threshold. You know, a lot of runs for Trey. Well, he around. played last year and got hurt. Actually, <laughs> yeah. got hurt in the preseason, played with that injury, and then got hurt in the regular season, right? So got hurt twice. Now, that you know, previous uh, injury performance is not necessarily an indicator of future injury, but... Wouldn't you say that Brock Purdy, though, just... I all I know is this organization backup quarterback has mattered a lot in the last several years. And don't Sorry. they value guys? I know they look completely different, but I think kind of similar, like... I understand why they like both these guys. We talked it out with Sudfeld this week. It really hit me tonight just watching him play. Why, Kyle, you and I were texting back kind of fucking around, but I bet Kyle right now really, really likes this guy. Like, don't, what, don't what would you say that. on a 1 to 10 of, of not your starting quarterback, how much you could possibly like the last pick in the draft at quarterback? Kyle's like closer to a 10 than he is a 5 on this guy right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Understanding that it's a sliding scale, <laughs> yes, totally. He loves him. He, Kyle has 100% said, man, if Brock could only, was only, if Brock only, and then fill in the blank, he would have been a first rounder. Like Kyle has said that to somebody. I'm telling you, he'd have been a first rounder if he was 6'4". Has he dropped? At a bigger arm. Has he dropped uh, in a meeting, no players around, if Trey only did blank like Brock, (laughs) we'd be cooking with gas? (laughs) I texted you that today, and I thought that that comment was too hot for the internet. But uh, maybe. If he only had Herbert's arm. <laughs> he made a couple of nice throws today. Uh, the, yeah, I mean, well, you know, honestly, what they might have said, if he just had Sudfeld's arm, we just cut Sudfeld. Sudfeld does have a... Sudfeld has a good arm. Throw, throw, throws a pretty... pretty uh, Sudfeld throws a pretty ball. Yes. A uh, couple of the D linemen look really good. Javon Kinlaw, Drake Jackson... I noticed Kinlaw before I noticed Drake. Kinlaw actually was, I think, Drake... Kinlaw played before Drake Jackson did. And the one thing you notice with Kinlaw, who had that explosive sack today, where he like oh. came out. Of, I had to rewind the play like three times. Like, where did he come from? Um, but even if you watch a lot of the other snaps, he doesn't go backwards, which at his position is half the battle, right? He does, it's not about the sacks. It's just about pressing the pocket up, and he does that a ton. I mean, he just... Did we, when we went live and did the podcast on Thursday... Had that video gone viral of him walking across the field half naked and looking No, like we did not. Or like the photo. I, I saw the photo. In his prime. No, we did not talk about that. He is he is a massive, massive human being. Obviously, we've talked about that, but that specific photo was like, holy shit. And here's what we know, and we've been hammering this home the whole time, and the 49ers know this. He just got to get to the field. Like the only question mark with him is like, <clears throat> how many games can he play? Can he be on the field? Because if he's healthy, I, it's impossible for him not just to be solid. Now, how great, like, is he going to do this all the time? I don't know. Time will tell. I know this. He immediately is an impact player for them just because if he's just giving them eight to ten snaps, three or four of those are going to be, like you said, not getting pushed back, forcing a runner to go the other way, maybe just giving a stunt, or maybe he just runs over a guy. Like, he's going to make shit happen. He's just got to get to the field. That's, yeah. that's what I know about him. He's just got to get there. And so far, you would say it's gone – I don't know if it could have gone that much smoother. Would you say this training camp with him? No setbacks, no like, well, Kinlaw's got to ice today. It's been now they've eased him in, but it has been last week had to be pretty big, right? He had been playing, then they bring him. He practices both times, and he played in, even into the second half. So it's, I would guess with him specifically, it was like, let's get him a couple reps early in the game. Let's get him to halftime and then see how he comes out. You know, they're kind of like amping him up. It just, 
to me, they're building on positives with a player. Yeah. yeah. To, and to me, what's like, I, sometimes even I forget this just because he's been out of sight, over, out of mind. Like, he was a top 15 pick based on like three games. You know, this is not some like little engine that could or some character guy that fell in the draft. This guy was such a blue chip potential home run. This, you know, there's a couple of these every draft in like the top 20 where it's like, you know, they took a big swing here, but if this hits, Makai Becton a couple years ago was one, and he's been kind of a disaster. But everyone's like, well, you just can't find, dude, 6'7", 370 pounds that can move like that. Yeah. You know, this film was a little hit or miss, but like the talent, no one disputes it. Kinlaw, you know, JC transfer, but throw in the Clemson game, throw on the Georgia game, enough said. It's like, well, what about the other games? Yeah, it didn't look great, but just throw on those. And it was like, yeah, 14th pick overall. The thing you notice about him, too, is that I think if when he's healthy, every game he'll do things that look like a top 15 pick or a top 10 pick, right? He will make a play. Every, he will do something, chasing somebody down that's much smaller than him. Uh, that sack he had today, like he will do something. That's the thing about him, right? Like Solomon Thomas, and maybe it's a, not a fair example, but there were you could watch games and he wouldn't even flash, right? That just wasn't physically. What he would just like run into the tackle. This guy, he will do something if he's on the field consistently. So, for Solomon played games. the run pretty well. I just. Right, but that that doesn't flash. I'm saying yeah. this guy, whose job is not necessarily to sack the quarterback, will if he plays 17 games or however many games he plays, he will do something in every single game that reminds you that he's a top 15 pick and a blue chip prospect. In addition, in addition to that, if he's just on the field, his floor is pretty high. So that's a pretty good combination. Now, does that translate to Aaron Donald? Well, nobody nobody has yet. So, but. They're, I, but they're not I, even any benefit so much from being on this defense. They're they're not looking for him either to all of a sudden be some all pro top ten pick, right? They're just looking for him to have three or four snaps a game that are impact snaps, and the other ten just to be neutral or be solid, right? The bar is relatively low for I think what they're looking for. Now, if he does take a step above, I think just the low bar, I think you know. D'Amico and and John Lynch would be doing cartwheels, right? I, I think if you just said, what's the number one thing you're looking for? I'm just playing games. Just get there. And I, I would say so far, the last couple of weeks have been a very, very positive sign for him. Like the, I would say the best thing that ever happened to him is when everyone freaked out last year and he had to leave and get the microfracture surgery. It was the right move. Because clearly the way they were on with his digit, the knee, not, you know, some days it would work, some days it was not feasible to keep going at that rate. Yeah, and I yeah. think sometimes the hardest thing is to rip the Band-Aid off and just go into whatever, the surgery. And it really sucked at the time because when the headline, you know, he went down to L.A., had microfracture surgery. I think most people's reaction is like, oh, this is, we're never going to get shit out of this. Yeah. Come a long way since then. Because my, I think both of us said, like, I, it's hard to ever count on him again just because the unknown, that that the, that word, like that, what that triggers in you, like that's, it's not just like, well, he had, he had a major, major knee surgery, right? And I think you probably, you're not out of the woods with holding your breath. Mike on the stream says they seem to have a lot of confidence in Kinlaw's knee playing him this much. I agree, but I would also say this is this is more, like, is it that they have confidence in him, in his knee, or is it that they need him to pass this test so they can know that they can rely on him? To me, it's more about that. Like, Yeah, I agree. You're not babysitting him until the regular season. You need him to, like, pass these tests of being ready week after week after week after week. 
and you're building him up. I mean, you, you partly, like you said, you said ramping him up. You're, you are getting him ready to be able to play a full NFL season. Agreed. John, before we go any further, let's tell the people about our friends at Sleep Number. Sleepnumber.com slash no sleepnumber.com slash ham sleepnumber.com slash ham choose proven quality sleep discover new offers for a limited time at your local sleep number store or sleepnumber.com slash ham guys the summer winds down you know it's time to transition whether it's back to school or back to the office quality sleep can help everyone in the family reset on their new routines gradual adjustments are the best sometimes just Moving bedtime up a little bit or back a little bit might mm-hmm. help you get asleep, might trigger something in the brain. That's smart. You're saying don't go from 11 p.m. to 8.30. Just go from 11 to 10.30 or 10.45. Yeah, 100%. Create some bedtime bliss. I, I struggle with this. Lights out. Mm-hmm. No uh, you know, no iPad, which right in front of your phone, you know, like tweeting, scrolling right in front of your eyes. Yeah. Remember when we were kids back when the TVs were big boxes, your parents would be like, Stop sitting so close to TV. And you're right there. And now everyone has everything right in front of their eyes. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. Uh, John sleeps on the the 40 is his sleep number. Mine is 55. And uh, the beauty is with Sleep IQ data, you're going to get more sleep. Sleepers who use their 360 smart bed technology enjoy 28 minutes of more restful sleep per night. That's up to 170 hours per year. Choose proven quality sleep from Sleep Number because every great day starts the night before. Discover special offers now for a limited time at your local Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com slash ham. Yep. Prize Picks is America's number one fantasy sports app. Because it's the easiest and most exciting way to get in on the action. While you watch your favorite players in sports, you just pick more or less on two or more player stats, and then the fun is on. Prize Picks has something for every sports fan, from basketball to hockey to League of Legends and everything in between. It's really simple to play. You make your picks, submit an entry in less than 60 seconds. I'll do it at halftime of a basketball game, and I also have some season-long more or less picks on MLB homers. You may remember, I've got less on Otani homers this year. We'll see. And at halftime of your next NBA blowout game, just jump on and go, ah, Steph Curry more than 11 points in the second half. It'll change the game for you. Download the Prize Picks app and use the code HAM50 for a first deposit match of up to $100. That's HAM50 for a first deposit match of up to $100. Prize Picks, pick more, pick less. It's that easy. ButcherBox.com slash ham and another special deal. Free for a year, you get salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for a year, plus an additional 20 bucks off right now at ButcherBox.com slash ham. Been telling you about it for years. Been eating it for years on a regular basis. Easily find high-quality meat and seafood. You can trust 100% grass-fed beef free-range organic chicken, pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. Always be prepared with meat in the freezer when you get butcherbox.com slash ham delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping. ButcherBox is offering you free for a year plus an additional 20 bucks off either salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for free. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer for a year plus get $20 off your first order. What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at game time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called game time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. 
Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Uh, Drake Jackson. Drake Jackson came in and had three straight snaps early in the game. He pr- all against lined up against the right tackle. Pressure from the quarterback's kind of the quarterback's left, but Mond had opened up to throw it left. So pressure right in Mond, ball goes out of bounds. Next play, handoff, Drake comes flying down the line of scrimmage. Did you see that tackle? Like just leaps and bear hugs and takes down Crush the running back, yeah. TFL. Next snap, pressure right in Kellen Mond's face again, throwing left, and that was the ball. He had pressure from the back, too. It wasn't just Drake was Jackson. Pick? But that was the pick. It was bam, bam, bam. Drake Jackson came in and immediately changed the game. And considering, remember last week he was really good in the preseason game. Left shoulder injury. Oh no, he was he was fine, and he's really. Good. And even he said after the game, he told them like, "Can I come back?" And they held him out. But it did it did look scary when his arm was kind of dangling. He's clearly fine. He is. I, I feel more and more confident every time I watch him. The Niners got really lucky. It's just you know you find receivers, running backs, linebackers, tight ends. There are a lot of random positions that like yeah I got this guy picked you know seventy eight. You're like damn you know. But there are not like where'd you get this pass rusher third? Where'd you get Trent Williams or Lane Johnson second fourth? I mean now you can find guys for character stuff sometimes in like thirty to fifty range. But if I told you the Niners were going to make the NFC Championship game. And they don't have their first round pick because of Trey Lance. And then their second round pick because they had such, you know, their record wasn't that great, but because they won playoff games, they're picking fourth to last and end up with a guy who within a year is going to be their starting defensive end. And this year is going to give them, I I think immediately week one, what would you put his over under snap counts against the bears? 10 and a half. That's your high. No, that doesn't feel high. I think he's going to play a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, Honestly, I might go over 10 and a half. So if I told you they were going to, at the last pick of the second round before the draft started, they're going to get a pass rusher who is not only going to be super talented, but is going to immediately play on this defensive line. You'd be like, damn, it's, how, how, what happened? Did the guy get arrested or something? Like it's, it's just not a position that you're supposed to get right there. Because when you look at the draft, remember all this whole draft, DJ kept saying, D-lineman, D-lineman, they're all going to fly. They're all going to fly off. And he didn't. And obviously they benefited from everything that went on, but it's you, you don't need to be Bill Polian here to just watch him take some snaps. And Kinlaw falls under this going like, that's NFL talent 
right? And this goes back to your Solomon Thomas thing. You watch Solomon play, and I would put Cleland here too, just because they were top five picks and everyone, you just stare at them. And you're just like, what the, I'm not, what's going on here? I'm like, where, where's some moves? You know, you, you, you watch a good pass rusher within two snaps, you're like TJ Watt. I mean, shit, you can't touch him. And you knew it right away. Or all these pass rushers that are good around the league. It, it just kind of jumps out. Remember Micah Parsons last year, like after like two games, like Jesus Christ, what the hell is this? Yeah. You know, it's just, there's a speed off the edge and this guy, the explosive nature of this guy. And you and I walk by him. It's, he has a long way to go of like kind of them molding his body. I would imagine. I, I would say this is like his Mac Jones season, where you know he kind of had a little belly. I, I would and remember there, little, he's, he's adding weight, or is he? Yeah, he 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 he's just cut weight now. You adding weight, but I, yeah. I still think they're trying to. I would imagine his body looks a little more cut up next year. next year. Yeah. Well, they don't have a choice this year, right? I mean, they they didn't have an off. His off season was all messed up because of the travel and everything. And then once OT, you mean just because he ready. was getting ready for the draft? Yeah, and he was there. dropping weight, and then they want to add weight, and it's just kind of you're just expediting everything just to get ready for the season. Where in the off season, it's like, well, we'll cut this food out, we'll add this weight training. I, I think the guy's a fucking monster, bro. I mean, I think you know, like Kinlaw to me is just a huge mass. I don't know like how sweet his like pass rush moves are. It's it's just hard when you're that big. Most guys aren't great. This guy's kind of just has a natural feel kind of coming off the edge. He does. And he did watch him in college. It was like, yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think a lot of people that are listening to this, a lot of these you know, if you're a Niner fan, definitely if you're listening to this on the West Coast, you, you just stumbled upon USC games the last several years. He just jumped out. He was their most talented player, I would say, the last couple of years, right? I mean, I had someone text me. Uh before the before yeah. the weight stuff happened this year, there were some talks of him potentially being like a top fifteen pick if he put it all together and us you know like he had a really good season, and obviously the season just got derailed. He's he he's just I wouldn't say he was like Kayvon level hype, but no, he he, he would have been in the next tier of just in NFL circles of just hype on a pass rusher. I, I'm not saying media wise, I'm just saying in NFL yeah. circles that were really. Yeah. You were going to SC to see him first and foremost this year. Yeah. I would I would guess for all the guys in like the top 50 or 60 prospects, and I bet he was on a lot of top 50 boards, right? You know, just other teams. If you take like a offensive tackle and like a linebacker, you know, you just might not take that position. He was probably one of the more polarizing guys in draft meetings all over the country for a guy that was going to go in the top, you know, two and a half rounds, right? of just arguments, people thinking like, what's his deal? A lot of unknowns, just a lot of, a lot of discussion in the draft room on him specifically for a guy, you know, is getting drafted, you know, relatively early on the second, sometime on the second day and plays a position that every team needs. That's the other thing, right? He, uh, maybe everyone fits in this category, but he's definitely in the category of, Oh, this makes, this is so obvious. It makes so much sense. Like I've talked to a couple people who were at USC with him last year and it was just a lot of the same, kind of the harmless, you know, not totally locked in other things, other distractions around him, but no, nothing crazy. Just what kind of happens at an undisciplined kind of program with no direction where it kind of feels like everybody's just, you know, out for themselves and not because they're selfish necessarily, but it's just, there's nothing you're really fighting for. The coach gets fired during the year. You're terrible. No one's really maximizing their potential. 
coaches, I would imagine everyone starts worrying about where, where's my next job, but it's the kind of stuff that in hindsight, you're like, God, I mean, it makes so much sense to bet on a guy. If you have a stable organization that, that did not reach his potential, but it's not like he didn't reach his potential. Like if you play for Chris Kacarek and don't reach your potential, then that's a real thing. Yeah. Right. But in hindsight, it's so obvious that Drake Jackson was a valuable pick. But I, I, here's the other thing. I do understand at the same time why he doesn't go in the first round, right? Like guys that's, who that's have – That's not what right? I'm yeah, – for no, sure. No, I know you're not, right? Yeah. But we hadn't even talked about this part of it. It makes sense – even though the concerns about him weren't that serious, no one wants to draft anybody in the first round that has any questions. I mean, you would know better. Like, Yeah. And the, I, and the guys that did, I think some of the – like I know Georgia had a guy with some questions. I think it was one of the dudes the Packers Kobe drafted. Dean, that guy? No, early, but, higher draft. No, I'm talking. I, I think it was the guy they took 28th. Might have been their second pick. Who they took a guy from Georgia in the first round that a lot of people said had some character concerns and just some off the field concerns. But guess what? He fucking played at Georgia, dominated, started. So it was like, well, <laughs> turn on the tape. Like part of it was like, you know, is, is Drake. You could probably watch the right game with him. Like you watch Georgia, everyone was kicking ass every single snap. Yeah, and I think going back to what I said is the value you can get in a program kind of in flux, I would guess, and I was told this, like Talanoa Hufunga rose above all the chaos at USC. I, I don't know anything about his character write-up beside what I saw in Hard Knocks. I would be shocked if Amon Ra St. Brown mm-hmm. was not in the same category. Of well, like, you know, it's funny you say that because I was, I was talking I to somebody. I, I know nothing about him besides I obviously <laughs> heard his name watching well, the games. So I talked to somebody today who, who was at SC, and I was like uh, – uh, I said what you said to him. I was like, we're, I told him John and I were watching hard knocks and John said, I'm in Ross St. Brown serious as a heart attack. And the guy's like, yep, that's him. All business. Yeah. All business. So, so it's like those two guys, for example, right? St. Brown and Hufunga fourth round pick, sixth round pick. If those guys had Drake's talent at their given positions and had same, their own mindset, like Talanoa has and like St. Brown has, they are locked first round pick. And that's just, that's what makes, I think the draft so intriguing Yeah, for NFL people. And it's what us on the outside don't always know. Like if you're a USC fan, unless you're like really deep into the woods and watch like interviews, you would just see St. Brown being productive and you'd like him as a player, but you don't truly know. Like I thought the same thing about Juju. And then like, as he got to the pros, you really kind of learned about his personality. As I get to the pros, I learned about this guy's personality. I'm like, I fucking love this guy, St. Brown. I love Hufunga, but I understand why Hufunga, given his measurables and his speed and tweener position, doesn't get drafted. But I also understand why Drake Jackson goes way above those guys. Those guys had zero question marks beside like speed and size. Drake's only question marks were like, is he mature enough? <laughs> right? No one's like, yeah, he can bend the edge, man. He's powerful. He can stop the run. He can do everything you're looking for. Could he play three, four? Yep. He could be a stand-up linebacker. Could he play a four, three? Yep. Easy. No problem. It was like, Plug and play him into every defense, and he goes way higher than these guys. And that's, I think, what truly, like from a geeky, you know, GM, like what makes putting teams together so important. And this goes back to, like, you need Hufungas. Like, you, you got to have some Hufungas on the team. And the Niners, luckily, like, Huf- Jimmy Ward's the same way. Like, some of their better players, Kittle. I mean, they got high-level players that are like that, too. But you also need just to take some chances on Drake. And ideally, if you have your the perfect kind of semblance of a serious team, which the Niners clearly have, you can take some of these. And I think the Packers view it the same way, right? Like, we have an infrastructure here of some guys, Rodgers, Bakhtiari, 
Kenny Clark, some guys like we can handle the guy from Georgia with some question marks. Like he's sitting next to Kenny Clark every day in the meetings. I would be shocked if Gudikins, because I, I heard some people like, yeah, we never would have drafted the dudes the Packers took. And I bet Gudikins would wow. be like, well, he's sitting next to fucking Kenny Clark every day. You think he's fucking around? Because I'll promise you, he won't be. Because <laughs> Kenny Clark makes $17 million a year. He's one of the best interior defensive linemen in the league, and he's serious as a heart attack. He'll make sure this guy's in the straight and narrow. And the Niners would say, you, th- you think this guy's going to screw around with Eric Armstead and Nick Bosa in the room? And C- Chris in the room? And the Carol answer is Pat. probably not. <laughs> yeah. Who, like, tonight, Chris is sick, and he's just there coaching, like, seamless transition. I don't think it'd be crazy for Drake Jackson to have more sacks than Omenahu. Like we did a thing about Omenahu the other day, but if you told me he was like third or fourth on the team in sacks this year, Drake Jackson, I, I don't think I'd be surprised by that. I just can't get over how many sweet players Clay Hilton had over the years. <laughs> I, I like a lot of his players. John, he's got three starting quarterbacks in other power five schools. He's got Ole Miss. He's got Pitt. He's got West Virginia. All their starting quarterbacks are USC guys. I actually think, the win loss record probably won't age well, but like when you just look back individually, you'd be like, well, he's got this starting quarterback. Yeah. He's got this guy. He's got, you see Drake Jackson's balling. You see, okay. Michael Amon Pittman, Amon Ra. Amon Ra had 90 catches last year in the NFL. 90. Well, how many did Michael Pittman have? He had more than you thought, I bet. I bet I, he had more than you think. And wasn't he banged up too? Like, here's yeah. what Michael Pittman's going to have this year 98 with Matt Ice. Like, he had 88 catches last year. Michael Pittman. So he had two guys that amounted for almost 180 catches and six touchdowns. <laughs> how many touchdowns did? How many yards and touchdowns was Amon Ra? Well, he had five, and he ran one in, so he had six. So 12 touchdowns. Was he over a thousand yards receiving? Uh, nine, twelve. Okay. Ninety uh, catches. That's a lot of production. <laughs> nine, twelve. Twelve. They, they, two of them. They came up just shy of two thousand yards receiving together. I just. I just keep going back. How is USC not a little bit better? <laughs> I think that's all the boosters would ask the same question. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why Lincoln Riley's there now. By the way, we're talent really wasn't their issue. A few other um a few other Niners things, but the internet's buzzing right now. I'm seeing comments. I haven't heard this yet. I just went and grabbed it. I guess there's some is there a UFC fight on ESPN right now? Is this Probably. going on right now? Uh, let me check my TV with Saturday night. With Dana White and Gronk on the set, a top rank. I, I don't know what this is, but this is just happening. Somebody said that Dana White revealed that Tom Brady was going to go to the Raiders in 2020, and Gruden shut it down. Matt, but I have the audio. Uh, okay, so let's let's see here. I haven't heard this yet. I don't know if it's loud enough, but I'm the one. I I, I worked to put that deal together for Brady and Gronk to come to the Raiders. And it was almost a done deal. And at the last minute, Gruden blew the deal up and said that he didn't want him. And Whoa. all Whoa. hell broke loose, man. It was crazy. And, and, and Brady was already looking at houses, and it wasn't being said yet that Gronk was coming. So it turns out that Brady was not talking about Ryan Tannehill then, right? That, I guess I, that's what it turns out. <laughs> Is that the way you took that? That's exactly how I took that. So somebody said, I, again, I don't know where that was from. I think it's from tonight. Yeah, there's a fight Dana going on. I, I think on ESPN Plus, I think on ESPN Plus, maybe they did the. Uh, 
Or may, I think it's a pay-per-view and then the prelims run ESPN is what Jason just said on the stream. And they like a Manning cast with Gronkowski family. Was that his whole family? I don't know. Let me, let me, uh, you want me to put this up again? You want to listen to that one more time? Yeah. <laughs> let me, let me listen to it. I'm the one I, I, I worked to put that deal together for Brady and Gronk to come to the Raiders. And it was almost a done deal. And at the last minute, Gruden blew the deal up and said that he didn't want him. And Whoa. all Whoa. hell broke loose, man. It was crazy. And, and, and Brady was already looking at houses, and it wasn't being said yet that Gronk was coming. Yeah, so it looks like, I think it's with the Gronks, the, Gron- the Gronkowski family. I counted. I think he's got four brothers. So it was Gronk, the white pants, and the brothers all... I don't know who the guys on the yeah. outside. Well, da- I think it's brothers and dad. I think so. It's and then on the and then Michael so, Eaves. Yeah. It looks like from ESPN anchoring it. Yeah, I uh, guess he. There was some comment like maybe Gronk had said something first about it, and then Dana Dana revealed the whole thing. Interesting that Dana was the GM of the. <laughs> well, you know the Ra- here's the thing with the Raiders. You know, not, not trying to take shots because I, I kind of think they got a good thing going. They do need a lot of other people to broker shit for them. There's not like, you know. Howie Roseman's never like, you know, this billionaire in Philly told me and he's had he did this and then that. It's just like, well, no, I did it. That's my job. Like, why? What's going was, on here? Guys? Was Dana going to get him oh, some ownership in the Raiders? Because remember, Tom wanted ownership in the Dolphins. Was Dana? Oh, you're saying like working with Mark? Well, no, no. I'm saying is there is there, you know, Vegas did a lot for the Raiders. So Vegas is kind of holding. It feels like to some degree they get they're holding the pink slip a little bit. Like, was there some leverage there that Dana has to chop off a chunk of the team and uh, distribute it? That's I say that out loud. I, I don't know if that totally makes sense now that I say it well, out loud. I think loud, Dana's but. a Boston guy. He's boys with Brady. Tom, I think one thing looking back, Tom didn't have that many options. Like, that's the craziest part about Tom's, you know, the one time he was ever a free agent. Peyton Manning coming off quadruple neck surgery. No one knew if he could throw. Had like seven teams flying all over the place. Tennessee, Harbaugh, going to Duke, Welker. Like, remember all that? Yeah, I do. Brady's a fucking free agent in the peak of his powers. Kind of had a weird, like, last month. But the body of work for, like, the previous four years was incredible. Super Bowl MVPs, MVPs. And it was like, nobody wanted him. Even Tennessee went with Tannehill. Yeah. He was talking about Derek Carr the whole time. (laughs) The entire time. Wow. Pretty like I wonder, did was Gruden involved at all, or did Dana put the whole deal together? Was Dana going to pay Tom some? You know, you get I don't know. There was going to be some money. My guess is is it's all getting done through Mark Davis. Mark comes through him, and maybe John's just adamant. I don't want to do this, and Mark just leaned with his head coaches. Right, like I'm not going to go over his head and force. Like if 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 Dana had been in, let's say Dana wasn't a Vegas guy, but a Miami guy and done that with the Dolphins, whoever the GM and coach of the Dolphins were would have had to do whatever Stephen Ross wanted to do. I will give Mark Davis credit on this. Now, we could argue, should he have given John Gruden all the juice? Probably not. Josh McDaniels probably has similar juice. He does whoever is his coach or his decision maker. Like, that guy does get to make the final decisions. Yeah, yeah. Clearly, he understood. I mean, that was... That was going into the 20 season, like the amount of hype that that was going to create for the organization in Vegas. And they have a ton of hype would have been. Oh, that was an expert there. Yeah. Uh, So that would have been wild. Um, 
but I, I mean, I don't fault. Mar- he gave, he gave John Gruden a 10 year, $100 million contract. You don't give him that contract and then force him to do things he doesn't want to do. But, um, wow. I think it, I think it worked out for Tom. Looking for a house. I agree. I, I, I do think the Tom situation, I mean, John would have got fired still. It would have been a disaster. John might've been tougher for him to work with than Arians because Arians gave, you know, Byron Leftwich had responsibility. Yeah. He was clearly Arians even less hands-on than Gruden would have been. But John John was the offensive coordinator. That's what I'm saying. Gruden would have been way more hands-on than Bruce was, and ultimately Bruce drove Tom nuts. I don't think it would have worked at all. I think it would have been a disaster. I, I get, I'm with you. Best thing that Mark Davis did was allow John Gruden to say no. On, I think it just worked out for football, the yeah. NFL. Larry says, at the same time, there were reports about the Pats wanting to trade for Carr. Yeah. Well, they needed a quarterback, remember? So would you have done like some would they have just given their it wouldn't even have to be a sign and it wouldn't have to two se- it could have been two separate deals, right? Wait, Tom was a free agent. Right, right, right. I'm saying I just went sign and trade in my head, but that's not how it works. So they would have done a separate deal with Derek. Which would have been great for Derek too. It wouldn't have been bad for Derek. He would have been playing for Josh McDaniels. They went, yeah, they went seven and nine. So maybe that is what people are saying that they were really interested when they thought he might go to Brady. The Patriots, I think their pick was like 22 that year. I mean, are we sure they don't just trade their first round pick to get Derek Carr? Or if you, you just sign Tom Brady, you, I mean, you, you shell out picks. You are so happy. You will give away first rounders. No, no, no. Well, I'm, I'm saying, would the Patriots have uh, given up their first round pick? Hell for Derek? In a heartbeat. And I would have said, good, I would have said, good trade. Yeah, they didn't have a quarterback. Well, if Derek would, if if Josh McDaniels or John Gruden have been willing to trade Derek the last twenty four months, he would go for more than a first round. Yeah, pick. they they might have got. Yeah, they might have gotten more, like a one that year and then a two next year. So immediate starting quarterbacks like top twelve guy, like just a guy never hits the market. We, Kirk Cousins did one time; he got like ninety million dollars immediately, and then a year later he got sixty more. Well, if you'd said two ones, I think even I mean e- easy with hindsight now, but that would have been I mean they drafted a quarterback with one of their ones who they use their other who they use their twenty twenty first round pick on. It's <sighs> a good question. I don't remember. I guess the following year was Mac, and then I think they traded up and got Mac's teammate that uh, the D tackle Brazemore, I think his name is. He's a pretty good player too. No. Patriots would have been bouncing the first round first that year. Wonder what they did. They, they they trade back because they took uh, the 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 safety from Lenore Ryan at thirty seven, and then they had pick sixty. They wouldn't have had pick thirty seven, so they must have traded out of the first round. Yeah, and they had no quarterback that year, right? It was just Cam and Brian Hoyer. Yeah, they would have they would have easily done that deal. So anyway, there you go. Uh, you know, we've talked about the Niners rookies before. I think one of the guys we haven't talked as much about because we've talked about. Danny Green, Danny Gray a ton. We've talked about Ty Davis Price a ton. We've talked about Drake Jackson a ton. We've talked about Spencer Burford. Samuel Womack is going to be their starting nickel. They, just, they said it today. Like there's no, there's no even battle. He's their starting nickel corner. I thought T Rock. <laughs> I can't even say that name with a straight face. Did a pretty good job. Your starting nickel is a starting player because so many teams have three wide receivers, right? And that guy, depending as the season goes on, could be obviously there are injuries, but let's just say your starting nickel never gets injured or your starting corners never get injured. He could be on the field 70% of the season. 
right? Maybe even more. I, I bet if we looked at the breakdown, like that guy plays a very, very important role. So th- their draft, think of the guy, we Drake Jackson, we have already acknowledged the steal. Ty Davis Price and Danny Gray. I mean, we've been talking about them all at training camp. Burford probably talking about the least, just given that he's a guard, but he's a starting guard. And they got their starting nickel in the fifth round. Like none of these guys have played a regular season snap, but to have a team that just went to the NFC championship game, if you would have told me going into the draft, how many guys are they going to draft that are going to play for their upcoming team? I would have put the number at like two. Yeah. I mean, it feels immediately like five. Now you and I talked before we hopped on. If you told me Danny Gray is in sweats week one, very believable. Like I don't know when Danny Gray is going to play. And same thing with Ty Davis Price. I think it's he's going like to be John the Jennings. It's not like John Jennings is having a great camp. I, it doesn't it feel like Kyle kind of likes Danny Gray. Maybe not Brock Purdy level, but I think they're kind of the offense. It might be Brock Purdy level. I think they like him. And Danny Gray has the same kind of Brock Purdy vibes to me, where it's just you put him on the field and he just pl- goes and plays football. Yeah. <laughs> playing against the ones, playing against the threes, he just goes and balls. Well, he makes catches in practice. He makes catches Un- here. Unfair to Danny Gray. I mean, he was drafted much higher than Brock Purdy. I'm just saying, like, he was trying to get some threes today and just was loving life. I, I agree. All five of the guys, I mean, multiple guys. You know, Drake Jackson, he's not going to start, but that's more just, I mean, the best, one of the best units in the league is the 49ers defensive line. And ultimately, I bet, who knows, the snap breakdown, could he eventually kind of be the starter, like Andre Iguodala style? Maybe he doesn't come out with the ones, but Drake Jackson gets more snaps than the other two guys that he rotates with, Hyder and, you know, you know, who, whoever ends up being the star in Bosa comes out. It's like, that's the thing with linemen, right? Like Bosa is not just every single snap. Like he's going to get rest that you just kind of rotate them all. Yeah. And it'll depend like how many third and long, like, you know, depend on, yeah, Menahu. Their, their draft, I would say through the preseason is the best draft that they've had. Well, John, here's the other thing. It's like, just given how good their team is and how fast all these guys are playing, I think it's pretty nuts. Right now, obviously, Kittle and, and Bosa, they've had. I'm not saying they haven't had great drafts, but those guys, like Kittle, came to a shitty team. Fred yeah. Warner came to a shitty team. Bosa was the number two pick in the draft. These guys are all coming to a team that just was winning in the NFC Championship game, and they're all fucking half of them are starting. Here's the other thing Charvarius Ward hurt. Emmanuel Mosley, what, coming back? I mean, neither Mosley or Ward, the Traverius injuries seem serious, and at this point, it seems like they'll be back week one without a problem. Jimmy Ward is out-out at this point in time, right? We'll see. Did, you, hear, did, you, did you see Kyle's comments? I just had me watching the press conference. He kind of said, like, it is by, it's a bad hamstring injury, and he is yeah. no lock to be back for the Bears game. I didn't hear that, but the way that I heard Greg and T-Rock <laughs> talking about it, uh, it was clear that it was a real injury. So – you're starting nickel, and one of the things today was Womack was going to play outside a little bit later in the game. You're starting nickel is just how many guys – you're starting nickel just might end up being one of your best cornerbacks, right? Now, maybe he's not playing outside ahead of Ambry Thomas. Probably not. And you need him – you'd want him to stay at nickel, and you'd want to get other people on the field. But, you know, who knows? He might just end up trying to pick up some of that slack for those guys. Now – Ideally, you you might just leave him at nickel, leave that position solid, and you put Ambry Thomas out there, or I don't know, maybe Diamador Lenore or whatever. But it, it already feels like he's going to play a very important role for them. The other thing is, you think about this, I guess it, this is probably the case for every team in the league, but the nickel corner on this team has been, I mean, since the Harbaugh era, era a player who is 
uh, a player who's relied on quite a bit. But I guess you could argue that's just the way the NFL works. But from Carlos Rogers to Kwan Williams, the nickel on this team ends up through multiple coaching staff. We're just very used to the nickel corner on the San Francisco 49ers being a very important player. The Bills, do you want to hear a crazy stat? Played 90% three-plus DBs on the field last year. Wow. Now, I, I would imagine part They're of that up a lot. Up Shoot a lot. <laughs> I, I would bet their linebackers, you know, maybe their their three best players, safeties, DBs. But, like, the next two teams, the Cowboys, 80%, the Colts, 79%. I don't have the full list. I couldn't find it. but So it shows you, like, 60% and up. Like, the guy's just on the field a lot. And the Niners were also lucky. They had three linebackers who can all be on the field in passing downs, right? All three of them can. So you can kind of rotate. Fred never comes off, but the other two guys are built like, you know, when you got three DBs, that means you only got two linebackers. Their two linebackers can fly around. And even that Owen Burks guy that even uh, T-Rock was like, you know, I, you know, the Packers weren't that high on this guy. I think he's going to be better here. I, to me, multiple preseason games, that guy's flown around. Obviously, he's good on special teams. You watch him practice, that guy, number 40, kind of, I mean, he stands out to me of just running yeah. around, hitting some people. That they, They've done an excellent job, and maybe it's just, is there a chance that John Lynch, like a position that just, think about this, John Lynch was on one of the great defenses of all time at multiple levels, had Hall of Famers himself, Barber's technically not in the Hall of Fame, but was just an all-time great, like nickel outside corner. Derek Brooks, one of the great, just first old linebackers, Hall of Famer, and Warren Sapp, one of the great passers. So he literally saw it. Adam Peters was like basically John Elway's number two or three that helped build that. Like the Peyton Manning teams, obviously their offenses were great. Their defenses were dominant. And he was also with the Patriots in the 2000s defense. So like he sees, he knows defense. And we all know Kyle. Like, do they have a pretty good blend of like their personnel guys? I think Adam Peters was a defensive end in college too. So Belichick, Elway, those teams seeing defense. The Niners now building the defense with John Lynch, who feels like a descendant of Elway, even though he didn't work for Elway, but they were like boys, and that's what got him a start. And then like Kyle, like knows specifically what he wants, like at every position on his offense, like knows exact traits, exact traits. I'm not saying that doesn't mean they don't miss sometimes. Like we'll see with Aaron Banks if that's felt like a little bit of like a need stretch that might not work out. Only time will tell. Where Burford was like much more natural. It was like this guy's a tackle, but actually we love him more at guard. We love the athleticism. Boom, plug and play. We're off and running, right? Ayuk Debo just like boom, plug and plays. The Kittles, all the running backs, plug and plays. And even when they miss, like whatever, we have another guy because we we're fucking if we if we miss on one out of five, we're hitting on the other at minimum three out of the five are good players, so we're always good. Juice, boom, like they they just have a Kyle's understanding, and I think John Lynch has really turned in. I'm just giving him the credit. Just I mean, obviously it's a collaborative effort, but their understanding of these defensive players. So John Lynch played for Monty Kiffin, obviously, who I would say in the last. You know, 30 years of the NFL, there's just some names that you think, badass defense, and Monty Kiffin's on that list. Monty Kiffin's defenses from 1996 to 2008 were top 10 in points every year except one. 96 to 08, those are like, that's multiple NFL eras. 96, 
I'll just read you his defensive points per game rankings. Eighth, second, fifth, third, seventh, eighth, first, fourth, ninth, eighth, 21st, third, 10th. Took four years off, came back, coached the Cowboys for a year. They were 26, retired. Yeah. Remember, he got a little weird with the Cowboys and then yeah, even yeah. Lane. Yeah. But he was old. He was old. He From 96 to 08, he was the Bucks DC. And they were legit basically every year. Wouldn't you say in the profession of football, having a defensive coordinator job with like multiple different head coaches is pretty rare at that length, too? Yeah. Feels like yeah. him and Dick LeBeau. Like you're going over a decade, one place coordinator. That's Where not everyone's like, it's like moving in. You just there's already furniture here. Love it. <laughs> Beautiful, expensive stuff. Don't need to touch a thing. Yeah, I'll take it. Which is what Did, you know. didn't someone throw? Do you remember like someone threw something at Monty when he was with Lane? Something happened. Like a player threw something? Like a water bottle? No, no. Like a-, like a fan will scream something at him when he was in the booth. I remember something happened at USC with Monty and Lane. Oh. I don't remember. Fan, their defense was really bad. I, I You know, things were getting weird with Lane. Yeah. yeah. I, I just remember. As they incident. do. I remember an incident. <laughs> I feel like it's relatively smooth. Yeah. 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 John, before we go any further, let's tell the people about our friends. At Indeed, Indeed.com slash ham. Indeed.com slash ham. Indeed knows that you're doing everything for your company. You can't afford to overspend on hiring. So right now, go to Indeed.com slash ham, and uh, you get $75 off your sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash ham. Yep, guy. Indeed helps star applicants to shine with over 135 assessment tests for cooking to coding. Whatever you're looking for, guy, they will find it. The assessments help take the stress out of the interview process. Your candidates get to prove themselves before the interview so that, and you can dive deeper into talking about what's important for you. Because listen, when you're hiring someone, if you're looking for a specific set of skills, you want those specific set of skills, mm. not the wrong skills. So you can hit the ground running with your new hire. Yeah, you want to be as confident as uh, what's his name in uh, that movie where he set a particular set of skills. Yeah. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash ham. Join 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Offers good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash ham. Indeed.com slash ham. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, some people in the, uh, in the chat are... Or mentioning that Jed said they'd be perfectly fine keeping Jimmy Garoppolo this year on Tim Kawakami's podcast. But of course, what he said was he is leaving it up to John and Kyle to do whatever it is that they want to do. Are you talking about the one that he just, I haven't listened to the one he just talked to Tim. Yeah. yeah. Did you listen to that? No, I read, I saw the quote yesterday. He, so he had told Tim that if we have to, we'll keep him. So yeah, whatever John and Kyle want to do, if they want to keep Jimmy, uh, you know, that'll be fine with me. <laughs> That's what we opened up the podcast talking about it. Like I would have said that I, I think there's a chance right now. They're probably not to the plane yet, but whenever they get to the plane and Kyle pours himself a stiff one and pulls up his iPad to watch the game, he'd be like, I'll just roll Brock. Yeah. Maybe he <laughs> thought that a month ago. And now he's like upgrade, upgrade, upgrade. I'm kind of kidding, but I'm not really, I'm not saying that he thinks Brock Purdy is better than Jimmy, but if you just said, Hey, would you just roll with this guy for the next couple of years and worry about this Jimmy Garoppolo and factoring in his money? Yep, I guess so totally. Purdy. Yep. Like if I get a certain, I can get a certain percentage out of him now and actually just have him be my backup quarterback for a while. You think there's a, there's definitely over the last, let's just pick 10 days, 
So multiple games, joint practices, he thinks dramatically different about just worst-case scenario, keeping Jimmy Garoppolo, and now with Purdy and just his whole mindset on the squad? Is there Maybe. A- yeah, that he just trusts those, that he just trusts Purdy. Or, I mean, if Sudfield were to beat, beat out Purdy, then clearly he would trust him. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, like Jimmy has been to two straight, two not two straight, two NFC Championship games in the Super Bowl. So there is an element of these guys have not been in that in those battles before. But I do think if you're watching them going, how much of this translates? Could it possibly be? And I think he's so confident in his own ability of like, I've won games. Guys, I've won games with so many guys. I'm not worried about it. So, yes, I think he probably is more comfortable today than he was a month ago with that. You you tipped me off to the interview where Brandon Marshall and I, I watched it a couple days ago. I was eating dinner and just, you know, it was 15 minutes. He was in his office. Two things jumped out to me. One, you know, where Marshall, is that the one you were talking about where Marshall was messing with him about Sean McVay, talking shit about him, and then even Brandon laughs that it wasn't true. and Because Kyle was like kind of taken back. Yeah. And they, he said Jimmy, Gar- he thinks Jimmy Garoppolo is the best 49er quarterback since Steve Young, which, you know, Jeff Garcia field was pretty damn good. Uh, Kyle Jimmy, said this or Marshall said this? Kyle said this. Okay. And the other thing, have you ever heard Kyle say the word Mac Jones? I feel like I've heard him say Mac. He said but to you don't Brandon Martin. Well, I don't remember him specifically saying, like, we were down to two quarterbacks. Thought... He said two quarterbacks, but I don't think yeah. he ever named them. And then Brandon goes, well, who was the second quarterback? He said Mac. I don't think I I've ever heard him said say the name. Recently. Well, he said it to he said it to Brandon Marshall. Yeah, okay. He's on the record now. There's no debate. He's definitely said two quarterbacks, and we figured it out a long time ago. I just don't ever remember saying we were down to two quarterbacks when we made the trade. He said that obviously after the fact, but he yeah. and then has he ever said the two quarterbacks were Mac and Trey Lance? I I thought he said Mac, but maybe not. I, I can't source it. So remember, John, I reported. Uh yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about it, which is interesting because like Fields. I've watched some of the Bears preseason. Like, there's some like watching. I do it really. I like watching Justin Fields play. I enjoy watching Justin Fields play more than I enjoy watching Mac Jones play. One hundred percent. But that's that's a whole other conversation. I mean, it's interesting that he put himself on that. He's kind of put himself on Mac Jones now too, right? Like, who turns out better? This Fields. What if Fields turns out better than both of them? It's like, damn, Kyle, you weren't even. You're on neither one. You. Yeah, like he he's come out and said like it. we realized this relatively quickly once it was well established. It was the two guys, and you can kind of figure it out. And now it's like he's gone on a record saying the names. I mean, they got one of them on, literally on the team. Yeah, they just did, like Kyle clearly just did not like Justin Fields at at Ohio State, right? Yep. Like he would never have made that trade for Justin Fields. Nope. <laughs> Somebody on the Niners told me that the Friday after, and I said it, and people were offended. People were offended. I remember having birdies tell me like Justin Fields. Now looking back, like, yeah, he wasn't even in the mix. This was the quote to Kawakami. I've said this before. You can't have enough good quarterbacks and football players. This is Jed talking. I'm not going to get into roster discussions and what John and Kyle want to do, but I will support them in any sort of anything that they want to do to make this team as uh, good as they can. But I've said it before. We're happy to keep Jimmy. We're happy to have him on the roster. If that's the case, then that's the case. Like, Jimmy, you actually get in the locker. Jimmy, like, what? I kind of like just practicing by myself and leaving for the day. Do you think Jimmy's any more less likely like the Purdy Sudfeld situation impacts his release date? Like the Niners are more likely to just whatever. Is that just completely separate? It's still value. I think it's separate. 
The only way it's connected is if there was always this, we're never going to give them away until the last minute just in case Trey gets hurt. But if they think Brock Purdy can give them 75, well, I don't know. Like 75% of Jimmy, if you're trying, if if something were to happen to Trey, getting only 70 75% yeah. or 80% of Garoppolo is not enough. Well, there's absolutely no chance Brock Purdy's better than Jimmy Garoppolo today. Absolutely. It's impossible. Right. Well, so but but you want you're trying to go to the playoffs. So 80% of Jimmy is not necessarily a playoff quarterback, right? Because even Jimmy, it's kind of depends but I think, on the day. I, I think we have to acknowledge guys get hurt whenever the likelihood of him getting traded at this point is closer to zero than it is like 10%, right? <laughs> yes. It'd be like, you know, when you watch uh, Apple, have you ever watched a baseball game on Apple plus? Uh, I I've earlier in the season. I think I, I dabbled into a Dodger game. Okay. Yeah. Friday well, they, nights, right? Double yeah, Friday nights. They put at the bottom of the screen when a guy's at the plate, the percentage that he's going to get a hit. So it'll, it'll say like Middlecoff, 31, or get on base. It'll say like Middlecoff, 38% reach base percentage. And then it'll be like strike one and it'll drop to like 22%. And it'll be like ball one and it'll go back up to 37%. And then it'll foul a pitch off. And it'll, yesterday, their guy, I watched a little bit of it Friday night because it was the Yankees and I watched the Yankees. And Rizzo like popped the ball up to first. And as the ball is in the air, the percentage changes, which I was like, that's kind of crazy. Like, I don't just, I don't need that. Like, get that off the screen. But it does feel like if it was the Jimmy Garoppolo trade percentage, it would be like 1%. And then Zach Wilson goes down and it jumps to like 82%, right? And then Zach Wilson's okay. And it drops back down to 1.5%. So you see Aaron Boone today hit the dais. Uh, I, I I got a bleacher alert that he got pissed. They, they I'm telling you, man, I've been watching the Yankees. They've been playing the same. They've been playing the same exact games every day since the All Star break. They'll be down three to one. They'll go to the ninth. They'll give up a run. It'll be four to one, and then everyone just starts heading for the exits. And the beautiful thing about the Yankees broadcast, unlike most state media that would like pretend like people weren't leaving, Yankees broadcast Spirit of George is proud. They just show the people leaving, and and Michael K will be like. Well, people have seen this offense lately. They're headed for the exits. They do not hide from it. In fact, they put more pressure on their own team. It's pretty great. Aaron Boone s- s- hammered. Yeah. The, just, you know, basically like the, the scorecard or whatever. Yeah. What not say? happy. But he, but he, then he flipped it like, listen, we turn this thing around tomorrow. We run away with this thing. He, I, you could tell, like, you could just feel. Just everyone looking at him and it getting tight and him's kind of like, I don't know what the fuck he can't hit for these. What is he going to do? Dude, it's it's wild. Now they got, you know, guys they have, they're still and, up yeah. seven games, right? Uh, I watched him the other night. Did you see what happened the other night? Josh Donaldson. They were down by three in the ninth. Donaldson hit yeah, a the grand off. slam. Yeah, but that's like was one ten. win in like two weeks. And right? they're like, Josh, you think this can spark the team? And even he knows that's not how baseball works. He's like, well, we'll see. We're trying. Uh, a couple things, uh, Andrew. Thanks for five bucks on the stream, Andrew. Cali boy asked Mason. Oh, says uh, Buck Mason is what they thought Trey Sermon would be. I mean, better. Well, Jason Raiders guy podcast, or are you only playing with my emotions? That's coming up next. Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that coming up next, John. Uh, we'll break down Chase Garber's performance. Did you know the Raiders were just on television as well as the Forty Nineers? I did. I look. I I were. I couldn't find it. Was it on TV for us? Uh, yeah, it was just some other random, you know, channel. I don't because we got Cowboys Chargers right now on NFL Network. Yeah, seriously, Saturday. Yeah, yeah. It oh, started man. like right after we started. It started at like seven because it's so it's like the backups and stuff are in now. I would imagine. Yeah, I mean they were in when the game started. 
Herbert, no go. No, Herbert, no Herbert. <laughs> no Herbert. Unlike Andy Reid. Yeah, he's, well, he doesn't join practice. I would say he's – I bet if you went around the league, he might be the only coach that doesn't join practice. And Belichick's been doing them for three decades. I heard someone – who was I listening to? Oh, Dave Wanstead said he's like, yeah, when I was – he was talking to Coward. He said when he was the coach of the Bears – he used to join practice with Belichick when he was the coach of the Browns. Belichick's been doing joint practices. Oh, wow. I feel like joint practices, don't you just started over the last decade? I didn't realize. Maybe they happen every once in a while, but not as in vogue as like every team doing them. Maybe it's social media. They feel more, I don't know. It definitely, I would agree that it. I was, I don't think I was aware of joint practices in 1996 <laughs> or whatever year that was, and let alone 2010. Yeah. He said then they get both staffs together at night and then like him and him and Wanstead would leave, you know, because they would be usually in Cleveland or Chicago, wherever they were practicing. And he's like, the coolest part, it was like uh, it was like care. It was career building. Both staffs would just stay in the room and just talk ball for the next couple hours. That's like, interesting. At night. I wonder if it used to just be guys who like knew each other. We trust each other enough that we'll give each other feedback on our teams. Yeah. Do you think that's possible? Is that what you're talking about? I wonder if Belichick was just so ahead of the curve of like, I can just get such unique practice with guys I know, right? I'm friends with and get work. Cause you still like, I mean, fringe guy, you would, do you really want to give another team? Like, even if it's your buddy, if you cut the guy and you, the guy, you know, you just have a pretty unique insight to him. Like, I understand why Andy Reid just, he's never done him. He's been having a ton of success, obviously, without it. Why would he start doing them now? Because in his mind, why am I going to let you see any of my guys? Obviously, you know my core plays. Like, I run a lot of screens, right? I, I There's certain you know, core tenets of his offense that have not changed. But he has to have a legit reasoning of, like, why wouldn't he have just given in? Everyone else does it. But, like, yeah. I'm not going to do it. Do and they I, go – do? I guess no one goes live in practices anyway. Well, they 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 notoriously sorry even in, in, in today's yeah even in today's like level of what the limits are the Chiefs are at the top of the list of physical practices get after it guys guys are blown away every single year you know the rookies like this yeah. is crazy yeah. so, so maybe you, in Andy's mind I go super physical with my own squad I don't give anyone else any inside but I still play. Start, got, my starters do play and like they they get those reps that you know Debo was getting in practice. I, he has to get it in the game. I wonder if he's got some data that says the injuries that occur, most injuries that occur are not maybe concussions are blunt force injuries, but like a lot of injuries are muscle injuries, and those can happen when you're you know doing a practice at eighty percent. I mean, I would love to know if it's just his feel or if he has some like injury data. What did you see Ayuk's comments on Minnesota? No. He hated it. He said it was boring. Like he didn't like it. He like why, he didn't. Why? Did he explain why? It might have been the second day. Maybe they kind of, you know, pulled off a little bit. And I, I think there was like a lot of standing around, maybe. I, I he he was like, he did not like it. And I just wonder, it's probably a weird situation, right? When you see another team, you kind of gonna get in this mindset. Like the game mindset on football, it's obviously not war or gladiators. No one's dying on the field, but it does, you know, we use those like war and gladiator type, some of those sayings with the sport of football, right? 
And that 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 visual, whenever a team comes out, the the a pregame locker room, just like these guys are fucking in a different planet right now. Yeah, I wonder for some guys, it's a little weird. Like even Ayuk at practice the day he was fighting Fred Warren, he's not coming out to practice thinking he's going to get destroyed or he's got like he's just working on himself. You're kind of like honing your own craft. I think it's probably pretty weird when you're practicing against another team, and part of why you're there is to help them. It's got to throw some guys off. I could see. I could see how Andy would rather I control 100 of what we do out here. I'm none of this practice. I don't have to consider what any other coach wants to do. I don't have to worry about anybody seeing anything. I I trust my own players to play at a certain speed. I don't. Part of it might be if his practices are as physical. You know, like the physicality of his practices. He wants to practice at that speed. He doesn't trust somebody else's players to practice at that speed with his guys. Yeah, it does feel like Mahomes. Like you've been saying, you heard you talked to somebody in Kansas City on that staff who uh, thinks Mahomes looks like a different guy. I could totally, I believe it 100% based on last year just felt like a weird Super Bowl hangover slash just, um, you know, cruise control. But started, just started weird. weird for sure. Yeah, I could just see that sometimes it the year after, I, they never won. the. It's not like it was their third championship. Would not, I mean... I saw Eisen had a thing that they're like, I think the Chiefs are going to be good this year. And uh, Jeff Schwartz retweeted. It was like, yeah, buddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but maybe yeah. they're, I mean, their schedule's tough. I saw someone tweet it out or Instagram it. Their first couple games are insane. I mean, their first like six games are pretty crazy. I, I do believe they're going to kill Arizona week one. Ooh, I like that bet. What's the uh, I, I don't think it's worth it for a lock of the week because Arizona's probably too talented to risk. You know, I, I don't love the guy, but I, I'm not acting like Kyler Murray couldn't throw, you know, a couple touchdowns. But Mahomes has three touchdowns. And, I mean, guys, he's, he's thrown for 200, 222 yards so far in the preseason. Now, he's like today, they played the backups for the Bears. or at the Still, three, three touchdowns. I think it's probably tied for. I haven't seen the updated stats, but tied for the team for the league lead. Kenny Pickett has three, so they go. He Cardinals. plays a lot more. Like like his touchdowns per snap. <laughs> Mahomes is probably very high. Oh, schedule: Cardinals, Chargers at the Colts. What's the Chargers Bucks game at home? But three of their first four are on the road. But that third game, they come off a long week, right? Yeah, because they play Thursday night against the Chargers. Go to Indianapolis on a Sunday, then Wouldn't, play Sunday night football at Tampa the next week. So that's a that's a tough week. If you ran a team, coached a team, fan of a team, wouldn't you pick that for your Thursday night game? First Thursday night game of the year at home. I don't count the Rams, Bills. That's like a normal game, right? I'm saying like true short week. Wouldn't you pick week two or three? Like immediate, or would you wait? Oh, like, remember Niners last year was like fans. Christmas. Be as healthy as possible. You do do you lose some of the God, that's kind of weird. The char- so the Chargers go road game on a Thursday after their opener. Do they play? When's the Chargers? Chargers play Sunday, week one? Uh, yeah, they play the Raiders. Uh, maybe that's why he's doing it. Like, I mean, I guess he's always done this, but I wonder if they'll just be – do they just start faster historically than other teams? It doesn't feel like they do, but Kansas City. Tampa, who knows? I mean, we, we at see, Tampa Sunday night. That's then they come home and play the Raiders on Monday night, so they get an extra day there. You see the rumors? And they play with, the Bills. Then they play Tom. the Niners. You see the rumor today with Tom? 
Uh, what? That he's on the Mass Singer? <laughs> Pretty good rumor, actually. Fox. I, I heard someone say Fox has it, which makes sense, right? I mean, if that was the story, that's insane. That's. It, it, uh, I think it's pretty clear that it has to do him and his wife. You know, John. I saw this great. Speaking of tweets, uh, the day, uh, at Daily Broncos tweeted, "Kansas City Chiefs trying to hold on to the AFC West right now that Russell Wilson's in town, and it's just a photo of a guy in a way too tight button up." Do you know what my theory is on Russell Wilson? Did you read the Peter King thing that kind of went viral last week? And he wants to be a partner with uh, no, an unnamed source told Peter King that they do. This is not player coach. This is partner relationship. They're on the same level, him and Nathaniel Hackett. Okay. I didn't see that. I think Russell is always big into his brand, winning MVP. I'm not saying he doesn't want to win, but I think he wants to win his way. And I wonder if he's gotten bigger because he thinks like, I'm going to throw it 40 times. I'm just going to live in the pocket, take some more shots. Like I'm not running around anymore. I'm, I'm Peyton Manning. This is my offense heavier on purpose. When I, I, I think he's trying to add muscle to like, I'm going to sit in the pocket and throw darts. That's where I'm going to live. I'm going to become like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. That's what I'm going to transition into. I think that's what in his mind, like I'm going to throw it 40 times a game because that's how you win MVPs guy. Yeah. And he He's has always wanted to hand it off. I think he wants to throw it. He hasn't won an MVP. It's crazy. It's crazy. Never got a vote. Never got a vote. Now, granted, there's only first place votes, so it's not like if they had multiple place votes, he would have gotten some votes. I I do truly believe that he wants to do it his way. And I think we're going to find out. a lot of sense. It could work. I, I'm not. I, yeah, if I'm writing good, off the Cardinals, I'm not writing them off. If Russ can run a team in the way that Peyton Manning or Tom Brady can run a team, then it can work. Or Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. But Aaron Rodgers was a, like, that's a collaboration. That is probably the best example. I mean, Tom clearly is a good example, but I think Aaron and LaFleur is the best because I think Aaron LaFleur is the best example of just the quarterback being way, way bigger than the coach. Brady's not way bigger. I mean, Arians is a big deal. Brady's obviously bigger, but that's the best example of a true partnership. And part of that, the part of the reason it worked is because Aaron changed some of who he is for LaFleur's offense, right? Is Russ, does Nathaniel Hackett have some insight for Russ? Like, hey, Russ, I know you've not been happy with your offenses. I know what's going to take to get you to succeed. So let's do some of this stuff. This is what Bob Biggs used to do at UC Davis. Dan, if you want, what if you just threw on some Dan Hawkins, UC Davis tape? Like, all right, Russ, uh, here's Peterson. This is Kellen Moore at Boise State. We're going to do some of this stuff. I I was playing golf a couple days ago with a guy from UC Davis. He was talking. I think we talked a little bit about it last week, but he, he had this great line of like, you know, we got this, this my junior year. We got this uh, assistant coach from Ohio State. He had been there for two years. He got a promotion. So he came out here. It was too complicated. Didn't know what was going on. Took him a year to get our playbook. <laughs> Whenever you meet someone that like, really hangs their hat on like how complicated their system is, like, yeah, he took him a year to learn it. Not a player, a coach. <laughs> so we had we had to tell him what to do as players. Right, right, right. He had to change all of his. Yeah, he, he'd been with Woody Hayes for five years. We came here, UC Davis, over his head. <laughs> Had to go back to the Big Ten. He just wasn't he, cut out for the Big Ten. Uh, and it wasn't in like a braggy way. He was dead serious. He was like, you know, we well, think about it. Like, you do have to just, there are things, less talented places. It, maybe it's more scheme oriented. Yeah. P. Carrill, Princeton. 
You know, like, and Woody Hayes would be like, "Why would I do all that crazy shit? I get the best players in the in the world. What 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 am I doing here?" Didn't Vince Lombardi just run the power sweep? Yeah. Same play over and over <laughs> and over again. Uh, any other news? Uh, Matt Corral, Liz Frank. That's that's um, that's bad news for him. So that means we had talked a little bit. I mean, they just basically just going to pay those two guys a combined thirty six. They're not actually paying all the money because Baker, but. Those two guys are getting combined each the same exact number, right? Because they play the same position, fifth-year option, just the backup. Yeah, if the Niners kept Jimmy, the Panthers' QB room would still be more expensive. Uh, Maybe it'd be close, actually. Trey's making what, like eight? Yeah, and they're only paying Baker, I think, like four, so it's probably a little less. But kind of crazy that one of those two guys, and it feels like Sam, is just going to be Baker Mayfield's backup. Like, you're just going to watch, when I say watch, Red zone will be on, and Sam Donald will just be sitting there if they're in the red zone, right, next to the coach. Probably an all-time test for a backup. Sam Donald and Baker one, Mayfield? It's one thing to spend a year like like uh, Trubisky backing up Patrick Mahomes. I actually I think I both guys have a lot to earn in game. Oh, like Baker I, could be good again, and Sam could be like, you know, maybe he'll never be a starting quarterback, but this guy's a high-character, easy guy to deal with. There was a good clip of – do you see the clip of Baker talking to uh, Corral the other day? No, it was a good little like in practice, like teaching point. He's like, I know he's telling you to open up your foot, but make sure you're looking here because you want to be ready to bang, bang. It was just a really interesting kind of here's my game experience. I know what the coach just said. It was in hindsight, like, was he undermining the coach? I don't think so. But (laughs) he was just saying, like, here's here's the better way. You want your hip here so that you can do this. I don't know. It was interesting. Interesting little mic'd up situation. Uh, Roquan Smith is ending his holdout. John participated in practice for the first time or his hold in. I should say, uh, participated in practice uh, for the first time on uh, Saturday. He plans to play out the final year of his deal. I don't know if him and the McCaskies have uh, hashed it out, but I, I saw negotiations are quote unquote over right now. Uh, I, I saw that he said, I've always bet on myself. I'll bet on myself. And I thought to myself, isn't Roquan Smith going into the fourth year of his contract? And wasn't he a top 10 pick, meaning that he has a fifth year option? I, I think Roquan. I know he represents himself. I don't know if he quite realizes, like. I think he's, is he not on his fifth? Is this not his fifth year in the league? Feels like he should be. 18, 19, 20, 21. Yeah, I guess it is. This is his fifth year. Does it feel like his fifth year? No, it feels like his third year in the league to me. (laughs) That's kind of crazy. Yeah, it is kind of crazy. Yeah, well, uh, even, okay, point still remains. Like, yeah, Rogue, I don't think they're just letting you walk out the door. <laughs> you know, I'd get ready for the tag. Even if you're not going to be there, tag and trade. Like, I, I don't know if you're just driving the bus to wherever you want to go and get a, a huge contract. It might be a little more complicated than that. Do you think the Bears are a little underrated for the fact that they're like, the McCaskies are the Hallis family. Like, George Hallis, his family, his offspring. It's just he had daughters, so they have a different last name. But... Like Virginia McCaskey is George Hallis's daughter. Like the team president is George Hallis's grandson, right? Well, I mean, obviously I knew Nagy, but I knew other people that work for the organization. Underrated, very, very cheap mom and pop shop for when you say the Chicago Bears, doesn't it feel like if you just say like the four, five or six like EPL teams that even if you don't watch soccer, everyone knows like Chelsea, man, they just you say Chicago Bears. It feels really big, even though are they kind of a joke? Well, did are I, they closer I, to the Lions 
Then well, we, exactly. I, I, if I said this on the podcast before, the so Lions have the Fords though. Like the Ford, like they, it feels like they got way more money than the Bears. Kind of underrated way. that it's Ford that owns that team, and we talk about them like poorly run. <laughs> uh, I think I've mentioned this stat on the podcast the other day. If not, I heard it during the preseason game last week. Martha be like F one fifty bitches. Yeah, <laughs> Ford Lightning. Heard of it? Mustang. Uh, twelve coaches since Hallis. Twelve coaches since Hallis. 11 of the 12 coaches were first-time head coaches when the Bears hired them. The only one that wasn't a first-time head coach was John Fox. Sorry if I said that one last week, but crazy stat, which proves the point of, like, they just they go kind of cheap. First-time well, coaches think, uh, generally they, cheap. They have some Dean Spanos vibes, which is weird because if they were good, how much money would that thing make? How much money does it make? I mean, probably a decent amount. Would help if they got a new state. I don't know. Have they rebuilt any of their luxury? Well, remember, I think they've been going back and forth on that. Like, you know, they were arguing and Lightfoot was like, no. And they're like, fuck you. And it was, you know, they're in the middle of that, like, battle. Because I think they realize, are we falling behind a little bit? Like, did did the Big Ten get $25 million more a year than the SEC? Or is the SEC not done yet? No, the SEC's deal is done. So the Big Ten got more. Big Ten got more, I think, although I've had a hard time finding the total school payouts for the SEC deal. I've been able to find their tier one contracts. The SEC is, is yeah, like $71 million per school per year. And, and the Big Ten is what, 95? No, I'm sorry. The Big Ten is 71 per school or somewhere in that range, depending on the year. It, it varies because this year it's going to be lower because USC and UCLA are not in yet. So it, it jumps up in a few years. Gotcha, gotcha. But. But it's you know it's eight it's it's eight billion dollars for seven years, so basically a billion a year almost right with basically yeah twelve, 12 it, over, fourteen teams fourteen and then it'll be sixteen and a you know in a couple of years two years away from it being sixteen which will be year two of the television deal, so year one of the TV deal you're is saying there's fourteen right now in the Big Ten yeah there's gonna be sixteen when USC and UCLA join. So why would it behoove them to add Oregon and Washington once they've already signed this deal to give away money that they're already split in four, 16 ways and do it 18 ways, right? Well, the deal does have a kicker that if they add schools, then the deal automatically – it goes up. Gotcha. Even then, there are, yeah, people who think it's not – you're not going to actually – you're going you're gonna to shrink the slice. The case I would make if I worked for the Big Ten is, yeah, but you're even if you how much are you shrinking? It might be worth it to shrink your slice a little to now have basically four teams on the West Coast. You can do whatever you want at night. You can always have a night game like a Pacific time. Okay, so even this year they're going to have four thirty. I think is it NBC is going to have the Big Ten like fourth. Yeah, the four thirty Fox gets the morning NBC and like a prime time Eastern night game. Then CBS gets the night. Is that it? Or maybe it's CBS that gets the night game. Yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe it rotates. I haven't really dived in too deeply to how that. I saw I saw up, some but. funny memes of like people just in tears and like when you hear the CBS college football music and you look up and you see Purdue versus Rutgers and it's just people crying. <laughs> you know, well, you know, their video people, that people they like made. Mississippi shirts and just you know, it's <laughs> that's a it's going to be a hard transition. You know, uh, Rutgers. I think made out like the bandit more than any team in the country over Maryland too, but definitely Rutgers, but Maryland had won a national championship basketball. Once upon a time, I think Rutgers feels closer to like San Diego state than they do where the hell they are. You know, have you heard honestly San Diego state feels bigger than Rutgers in their own little area. Oh, actually. Oh, that music's been playing a lot. Uh, Amazon music. Some of it leaked the Amazon Thursday night prime. 
uh, Al Michaels and Herbie. Yeah, I'm not sure how loud this is, but let, let me see if, this, uh, if you guys can hear this. I think you can hear it. Very low. Feels like a college theme song or something, doesn't it? To me, it's the most like NBC's music. But I like it. I mean, I think it. I think it's probably pretty hard to come up with. Uh, I think it's solid. Feels a, what I doesn't it feel a little collegiate, like something you would hear at like a college game, like the band playing. You hear the drums and the you yeah. know, like you go to USC, yeah. dun, 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 you know, just kind of that. You Michigan, Ohio State, they all have their bands. So kind of, which I'm, I'm all for. That's I like those those jams. I don't feel like. A lot of Pac-12 school is is USC kind of unique with a band. Uh, I don't think so. I think everybody's got a band. So like Utah have a song. They I'm sure playing. they do. Not not like not like a song like in the locker room, but like do they like play? a fight song? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like sure. the band the band yeah. plays. I don't know everybody's fight songs, but I think everyone's got one. Yeah, part of being in college, I guess. It's part of the beauty of, of college. Um, uh, so uh, Sean says, well, they do have Kirk Herbstreet, so that makes some sense. Yeah, Herbie. Uh, his, kid, you see, his kid got to take off like, uh, you know, you don't get the stripe at Ohio State or whatever until you earn it. Okay. You know, when you first get to Ohio State, you Your know, you got to earn whatever the thing is. The Buckeyes? The stickers are like the stripe down the middle. I think the stripe down the middle. That's cool. He got, he got the stripe down the middle. Even though I thought all of his kids went to Clemson. Maybe he's got like seven kids. I can't keep up with the Herb Street family, but. I think he does have a lot of kids. That's why he works so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like Herbie, what are you doing it for? <laughs> Tuition. Yeah, my kids are walk-ons. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On that note, thanks for hanging with us, everybody, on this Saturday night. And um, send us those pictures of uh, you enjoying Tito's. We appreciate that. Oh, man. I want this whole son of a bitch. See, this is not, not in my habit right now. What happened? Wow. Well, Saturday night, you know. All right. Later, everybody. Peace. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.